Robert Gerrish here, founder of Flying Solo and co-host with editor Lucy Kippist of the Flying Solo podcast. Now, before I introduce our guest, let me tell you about Flying Solo's premium membership. There's a massive tools and benefits to help your business stand out and to ensure you stay at the top of your game. As part of membership, you get a full page listing in the directory, entry to a private discussion group, access to a library of over 80 how-to videos, a copy of the Flying Solo book and much more, all for just $99. Now, on to the show. I am delighted to be speaking with Catherine Tavasio, uh, who joins us from Melbourne and is the leader of a wonderful business called Aroma Baby. Hello, Catherine. Hello, how are you? Look, I'm very well. And it was, uh, I think we first met at Flying Solo Live a couple of years ago when you were uh, one of our keynote speakers. And gosh, what a great and generous presentation you gave on the the story of uh, Aroma Baby and uh, your trials and tribulations of breaking into the Chinese market. So thank you for, for that and thank you for joining us it's today. Mm, my pleasure. Okay. So look, look, perhaps we should just start by, can I ask you, uh, well, firstly, how long have you how long have you been running Aroma Baby for now? Oh, this is our 25th year. Difficult to believe, but... That's impossible to believe. 25, you must have started when you were two. That's yes. rem- <laughs> 12. <laughs> that's remarkable. 25. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I mean, Thank gosh, you. that's no mean feat. Now, no. in a nutshell, perhaps you could just explain to listeners, for anyone who doesn't know, and anyone listening who doesn't know, hang your head in shame, um, the nature of Aroma Baby, what, what are your products? Well, basically, 25 years ago, I was working in natural skincare for a lot of the fashion retailers, and I was pregnant with my first baby and had a look at what I would use and found there was nothing that was uh, petrochemical-free or natural, if you like. Mm. So I basically switched my whole focus from the fashion sort of sector to providing more of a professional line of natural baby care. So looking at a lot of the neonatal research and trying to... um, adapt that into a commercial brand of product so that parents would have a choice. So basically, Aroma Baby is a full, complete, um, specialised brand of premium natural skincare for mother and child. Fantastic. And um, the purpose or the the main sort of theme of our conversation today is we're going to talk about how you broke into China and uh, your experiences uh, over the last 25 years of growing your brand Uh, within that huge market but perhaps if I can ask you to cast your mind way back was it and let me ask you was it uh, did you wake up one day and go right I'm going for China (laughs) or did China come knocking on your door which what way around was it well I think my entire export experience um, I won't say entire but a majority of my export experience has been reactive we created a really strong innovative brand Um, We started exporting quite early to the Middle East, then South Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore. And of course, um, being so close in uh, proximity, it wasn't long before China came knocking. And it was a personal desire at that time from the founder who first approached us from the company who became our first distributor. So he was looking for something for his own soon-to-be-born child, had a business in the biotech space, had capacity to... Um, to build up a side business, if you like, in distribution of this natural baby brand. And that's where it started, which which was fantastic. 
Mm. But, okay, I'm going to come back there in a second. But prior to that, you mentioned you rattled off a number of other markets that you had already. So clearly, once you um, kind of had Aroma Baby running, you had your eye on export. You were never going to just sell in a few stores in Australia. That was never your plan. Is that right? No, look, but but again, I think, you know, the more I got into the business, the more I understood the size of the Australian market was so small mm. compared to um, not only the globe, but the capacity to grow and sustain business over a longer period of time it was, it was practically non-existent. I mean, we just didn't have the population and the births per, per year uh, to sustain the business. So um, it was a dual-edged so one was that we needed to export. The other was that export was attracted to the product we developed. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, uh, this is, I mean, it's so wonderful that I'm speaking with someone who's, who has run um, a business for so long and has so much experience because, you know, too often we, we talk about businesses that have kind of dreams and goals, but to actually be speaking to someone who's, who's you know, walked the walk, as it were, done it, doing yes. it you know that that's that's really valuable so i'd just like to hold us there for a, a moment longer so okay so when you started you clearly um looked at this from in a in a very you know, not surprisingly a very organized and business-like manner and you very quickly worked out through studying your market local market that there basically wasn't going to be enough market to grow the kind of business you wanted to grow that's now, just, so as a sort of observation, you see, you must see, I know that you spend a lot of time talking, you help, you know, that is uh, at conferences and events, uh, you help individuals that are looking to expand their businesses. Do you observe in your sort of day to day, a large number of businesses where you look at them and you go, Mm-mm, that's not going to work, you haven't got, you know, do you see businesses that have fueled with passion you know all all the the lovely things that that startups often have but yes. that, but that are not doing or have not done that kind of research that you've done what's your just your your sort of take on the market in general uh, yeah, yes that does happen um and i'm i'm not one to paint an unrealistic picture i'm very passionate about bilateral trade and small business and supporting people I'm very passionate about providing information that gives them really good um, know-how to make a decision to whether to export or whether to export to a particular market. So I might be at an event where I'm in the audience and then you know, 10 people might come up afterwards because I've asked a question or, or made a comment mm. and ask me my opinion on what the panel just spoke about. So um, I think it's really important to not paint that unrealistic, you know, beautiful story about what you can have and what you can be and how big your business can grow. I think it's really important to be honest and and to provide really um, valuable information so they can make really good informed decisions. And it may not be that China or export is for them. And that's Mm. okay. Mm. Yeah, okay. So is it but is it uh, and I I'm just doing what I do, what I sometimes do which is tr- I'm trying to simplify everything probably because I'm a, I'm a you know it, it's I'm a simple man. But so <laughs> just to understand that. So is is it feasible for a business that maybe listening to this, you know, yeah. uh, whether they're startup or have been going for a while and they think mm, maybe I should explore exporting to China. Can we can we explore? You know, can we 
go somewhere, do something that will give us an indicator? Or do we have to kind of make a commitment, financial time, energy, and find out if it works? Or can we go in, can we, is that, I mean, yeah, I should stop there and, and just, that's, <laughs> that's the question. What Can we kind yes. of test, what and how can we do that? Look, I guess there's there's two ways because um, we certainly have a lot of events that are run by organisations in Australia. Mm. And, and look, we know that a lot of those organisations are looking to recruit clients in some shape or form. Mm. So we've, we've got to acknowledge that there's, there's maybe some level of bias in the information they're providing. My, my best um Let me just advice, stop you there. So what you mean by yes. that is, just to make sure I understand that, you're talking about sort of um, exhibitions and forums and what you're saying is we need to be cautious because sometimes people are trying to sell us exhibition space or involvement without or, necessarily... Absolutely, yeah, or, okay. or selling us a, a route to being on a platform which is unsustainable for a small business. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. You know, so it's all right to get onto a platform, but what's it going to cost to stand out and and then, you know, be profitable on that platform? That's a completely different question. So, yeah, okay. All right, so we have to do... So the answer sounds like, yes, it is possible, but we must do due diligence. We need to be yes. cautious. And my part two of that um, response was going to be that get on the ground in China and choose an exhibition or a trade show that is uh, in your in your category yeah. and go and have a look at the market. And you may not need to exhibit at that event, but you need to get on the ground there and go and have a look. And when you see the amount of competition and the amount of expertise, not only from uh, China itself, but from the rest of the world that we're competing with, you will see then um, a, a closer picture of maybe what it's going to take. Mm. And and it helps people understand the market, the complexities, the cultural differences, who your competitors are. And that's just at an exhibition level. Go and visit some stores and see what's on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, look, so that's great advice. But so are you... Are you saying then, really, if we're going to do this seriously, we do need to think about jumping on a plane? Is it, is it unrealistic, this kind of vision that, that I know some businesses have where some wonderful person is magically going to appear in our lives and go, yes, I can represent you in China? You know, is, is, <laughs> this, is that a myth? Uh, look, it, it is a myth, and but those people do exist. And you could be lucky and get one that is... Um, you know, has amazing expertise, has has resources um, and channels to market in your particular sector, but mm. that doesn't that doesn't happen very often. Um, we do have investors here that are looking to um, invest in business here as a visa requirement. So those types of investments are usually shorter lived. So you might find that you get somebody who'll work with you for a year or two, but doesn't have any expertise in your particular field. Mm. Um, and and you, you get very excited and then you soon realise that it's actually, it's not as great as it first sounded. Mm. It's more about looking at the experts that are in the channels in China, going there, um, maybe accepting invitations to chat to two, three, four, five of them, and then maybe getting some further consulting advice on how do I vet these inquiries and how do I um, sc scope, the, you know, the, the level of expertise that each of them has because, like us, we, we all want to be in different markets and mm. we all talk, talk ourselves into 
opportunity. And, and so can business people from China and Hong Kong and, you know, UK. Hmm. So it's about really understanding what their capabilities are and if it suits what your goals are. Yeah, okay. I mean, I do get the, the strong feeling, and I'm sure listeners will too, that I imagine if I was sitting down with you, if I was sitting down with Catherine and I said, look, I've got this product, what shall I do? I think when all the cameras and the microphones are turned off, you'd probably lean across to me and say, get yourself an air ticket, go to China, <laughs> go and have a look. I mean, that's, yeah. there's nothing beats that, does it, really? Not at all. No. And I think, look, I wouldn't, I've been in China for 12 years in, mm. in some capacity, and let me tell you that not all of that 12 years has been generating income. You know, mm. a lot of it is just being on the ground and um, engaging with consumers and, and health professionals. But when you're there... If you feel that fire and that passion and you connect with the culture and you get excited, there's an, an, an indication that maybe it's worth looking at. If mm. you are not interested and you are not honestly engaged and um, passionate about exploring the opportunity, don't even bother because I think whatever market yeah. you're in or you want to be in, you really need to feel that fire mm. and you need to you need to want to be there and, and get excited because that's what being in business is all about. Yeah, look, I, you know, I, as you're talking about this, it, it, it um, you know, on a much smaller level, it's. I remember having a conversation with somebody not so long ago about a, a new product they had, mm. and. Um, they were sort of well frankly they were kind of flirting with the idea of paying me far too much money to um, <laughs> help them with marketing and um and my advice was no not yet you don't you shouldn't be paying someone like me you should frankly go and get a stall at your local market and stand in front of a few punters mm. and look at their reaction to your products listen to them see what their responses are how do they touch it how do they hold it how do they you know it, it really does. There's nothing beats being there, does it? Does it? You know, being in front no. of potential customers. Uh, let me ask you an, uh, another question, if I may. Um, is it easier now for a business to get a foothold in China than it was 25 years ago, or is it harder? Um, it, and again, it's a it's a it's a double <laughs> sort of okay. double That's response right. because back in the you know 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, there was much less opportunity for foreign brands. It was only because we had a, a, a very unique offering that we were approached at all. Um, but having said that, there are now the free trade agreements in place. There is a lot of focus on um, Australia and you know even New Zealand products and, and certainly products from around the world to enter China. The market has opened up. There's cross-border trade, which means... Um, e-commerce is is a possibility but but then that is not always okay on its own so so yes it was easier to stand out 10 15 years ago and now there are more opportunities but i would say you've got competition from the entire world all looking at china and exporting to, wanting to export to china plus you've missed the boat the boat the golden age of the early days of cross-border and e-commerce that was probably three four five years ago um and you've got um, relaxed regulations somewhat, but then tighter regulations mm. in, in other ways. So it swings around. It's different. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now I get different. that. Yeah, mm. okay. But do in the eyes of, and we are you know, focusing our conversation here on China, in the eyes of the Chinese buyer, yes. um, how is Australia perceived? Are we... 
You know, uh, let me before I even let you answer that. Let me give you a, an example. When I when I was dealing, I have a, a book out at the moment, and with my publisher, when I was speaking to my publisher, um, I was kind of getting advice on well, how would how might this book go kind of overseas? Mm. And their response was, well, look, Australia is generally perceived um, as being um, from a publishing book publishing perspective as being a country that develops, you know, good books on sort of self-help and health and well-being, that's where we have a good position in the market. People expect that sort of good stuff to come out of Australia. They don't necessarily expect um, good business books to come out of Australia, which, you know, is a bit of a kick in the teeth for me, but there you go. <laughs> but that's the truth, you know, is the market, the, the marketplace does not look at Australia and go, okay, if I want a really good business book, I'm going to get look for one written, you know, written by an Australian author. Um, and I wonder, so mm. if you can hang on to my weak thread there, um, <laughs> how how is Australia perceived in the eyes of the Chinese market, what do they expect from us? Is that a yes, question you can answer? Yes, absolutely. So, um, again, I think, you know, three, four, five years ago, Australia was perceived as the um, region to import products from in the personal care space in particular. Mm. Um, you know, vitamins and health supplements, we have a very clean, green reputation for uh, producing quality products in that category and within, within the scope of health and well-being. But if you look at the current situation, uh, we are not unique in that offering anymore. So there's, there's Europe offers beautiful, natural, clean, green products. So mm. does New Zealand, who are, we're, we're competing with our closest neighbour. And, and in fact, Chinese manufacturers themselves have really come ahead in leaps and bounds with their own technology. And they even produce natural and organic personal care and, and beauty products in China. Mm, of course they do. Yep. So, of course they do, and mm. that's right. So our offering is is that of, um, yes, we are known for providing quality products in that sector, but I guess the, the focus on Australia has also spawned a lot of smaller businesses and startups or um, re revenue-generating transactional kind of businesses that are just looking at an opportunity and providing a product to fit a category but not necessarily coming with that same level of expertise in the sector or quality um, that perhaps the you know the established brands like the others that have been around for 10 or 20 years offer so mm. it's a different offering as well it's more about a business transaction rather than a heritage brand from Australia providing a unique um, offering to to a Chinese consumer okay let me uh, great response let me ask you a, another question along the same lines then imagine that somebody listening um, is a wonderful tech genius, right? Yes. Brilliant at creating some kind of software. Yes. Um, so that sort of person, that sort of individual, would ideally perhaps have a conversation where somebody says, what we're looking for is a product that does this. Mm. So in other words, they've got a skill set, but they haven't got an end product. Can somebody in that position also, do you think um, crack China? And, and if so, is the process entirely different? I mean, they're, so they're not going over with a tangible, touchy-feely product, but they've got a skill set. Are skills something that China is also looking at buying? Absolutely. Um, okay. In fact, I met a young entrepreneur um, while I was presenting at a conference 
many years ago, like five or not many, but five or six years ago mm. or something, we've, we've become um, good sort of corporate connecting buddies. And um, he's, he's in the tech space and he's developed something that is in that sort of educational teaching Australian to Chinese primary school children and preschoolers. So, for, for example, Language Your Way went there and pitched their expertise and got Chinese investors, and it's taken up until now to develop the product for them, with them. And they're doing wonderful things, but they're mm. not well known in Australia. So absolutely, I think if you've got a very unique set, set of skills, and he's like me, he's really passionate, he's, he's quite niche in what he does, he's an expert in what he does, you can't be everything. So if you've got that skill set, which is really unique, you've been doing it for a long time, you're passionate about it and you love it, then absolutely I think there's opportunity for service providers and, and people in the IT space. Mm, okay. But again, what I hear in there is patience, uh, commitment. Yes. You know, this yes. is not so anybody listening who's got, you know, a shed full of products that they just can't shift. Um, China probably isn't going to be the answer. And someone who's perhaps got a, you know, a professional um skill set but isn't busy enough again you're not going to necessarily get something happening in this financial year you've got to give things time i'm being a bit flippant here and i shouldn't be but no you know, definitely it, we've got to we've got to take time yeah. yeah so where do we and forgive me for keep going back to the basics but um let's imagine we're either of those people somebody who's got a product and they th would like to explore it or they've got a kind of a skill set a service they'd like to explore that um, you said kind of get on a plane and go there and I now have this image of me arriving at um, Shanghai airport with a load of bags and not knowing where to go <laughs> that's exactly how it is <laughs> I'm sure but so how does how do we start that do we talk to Austrade? do we definitely okay, yes okay. so depending on where you're located I mean I'm, I'm located in Melbourne I have a wonderful relationship with the Victorian government team and whilst people come and go um, they are really supportive and it's a complimentary service. So you can go there and get advice on different different ways and different things about entering the China market. And then you've got Austrade. It's more of a paid service. But again, fantastic team on the ground in these countries, in, in many of the big cities, not just in one city, um, and also their representatives here in Australia. So they are wonderful places to start. Mm. There are also um, associations, Australia-China Business Council, national. And they have passionate people who are uh, intimately involved and have intimate knowledge of the China market. And a lot of people that are wanting to go to China need to start with these um, these organisations here in Australia first and go and sit in on some of the seminars and the learning opportunities that are here and then see if you want to pursue it and take it further. And then you would be looking at some of the um, shows and, and exhibitions and seminars and things, perhaps in some of the bigger cities in China. Mm. But, you know... Again, and forgive me for being ever so slightly cynical about this, but, you know, this is Catherine Savasio speaking, right? Now, when you go and talk to somebody about China, you take with you 25 years of success. Mm. You know, I can imagine you can go and talk with anyone at any point about anything because you've done it. But for somebody who's absolutely tiny, 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 well, would they also get, can, are you saying we can have meaningful conversations with our local state governments and Absolutely. with? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. 
Mm. Um, they're very supportive. We have a lot of small business in Australia and we have a lot of micro business. In fact, you know, we're considered a micro business at the moment. There's only three of us mm. and we actually scaled our business back you know, some years ago uh, for personal reasons, but are now at the, at the point of scaling back up. Mm. So it doesn't matter whether you're a three-man band, uh, you know, an, a sole trader, or whether you have 20 staff and haven't thought of exporting yet. There are there are people with expertise across a range of different sectors uh, for different levels of where your business is at. And I think don't discount anything go and have a chat to mm. the experts and and just see what sort of things you need to know and, and how you would go about it. Or, you know, engage with a consultant who's going to give you no bones about it, you know, truth, you know, maybe a little bit cynical and myself <laughs> as well. Don't mm. paint the rosy picture. Let's just be honest and give people really um, helpful information and support them in, in making some decisions around whether export to China is good for them or whether the time's not right yet mm. um you know there's a whole issue around intellectual property so there's a lot of things that need to be talked about a lot of considerations yeah. before you you go over there yes yeah well the great thing is with trailblazers like you who've been doing it for 25 years you know it's um it's not like uh, you know it, it the process must be easier in that you know all those kind of pitfalls and 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 things that we need to overcome people like you have trodden the path for us so you know thank, yes. thank you for that but so um uh, again i'm just just want to think about this in 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 i'm just you know imagining this person going to the airport and going there um so presumably if we go to the um australian china chambers that you've talked about um yeah. to state governments to austrade there's a great deal of fact-finding or research to be done there. And presumably, that's where we're going to find out about particular expos or events that where we can go, not necessarily to promote our product, but just to understand the market. So, yes. so if we're doing that, and I hate to be sort of crass and bring this down to financial level, but imagine we have a solo business person. Yes. And yes, they're saying, here's an expo. And it would be good for you to go to that expo and have a look at what's going on and have some conversations with people. So that's an air ticket, that's a hotel, that's an expo. So an exploratory trip for an yeah. individual is what, a couple of thousand dollars or is it $5,000 or is it less? Or I mean, can you even answer that question? Yes. And, and look, if you did it on a budget, it would be at least a couple of thousand dollars. You can certainly get, you know, there's China Southern, there's a few different Chinese airlines here that fly mm amazing services and really well priced um so you can certainly do it for a couple of thousand dollars and you know get on the ground and pay for a hotel which is near the exhibition etc but all of this would need to be planned early because if you are not um booked into a hotel sort of three months out from an event the hotel is going to be you know three times the price you know you pay five hundred dollars a night oh, for a hotel. okay so planning, or you planning. spend half of your time in traffic trying to get to the hotel so which mm. is worse you know which is more <laughs> Um, you know, or which is more beneficial? You know, where's where's the better spend of your time? Is it in a taxi, mm. um, or is it in a spending more in a hotel, which is close to the expo, so you can get on the ground and get in there and, and have a good look? And I know what my response is. Yes, I understand. Get close, get early. Yes, absolutely. Get early and get close. All right. Yes. Well, this is, this is so brilliant. So, for somebody again, for somebody thinking about this, the message is it's a, a kind of a long game. You've yes. got to plan it. You've got to do your research. You've got to think about it. You've got to make a commitment. There's lots of people around to help you. So 
all that is positive. Now, imagine then, again, I've, I've, forgive me, I've, got this, I've just got this image now. So here's our person. <laughs> We've arrived in China. We've got a hotel near the expo. We're going to the expo, person by themselves, can't speak any language. What's, what's it like for somebody walking into an expo with no language? Um, what's it like? I, I wish this was uh, video as well, because if you could see my smiling face, <laughs> um, I'm just beaming because it, it is, you know, mind blowing. It is, you know, so over the top and um, in a good way. Cool. Yes, yes, it, absolutely. I wouldn't be still going. But sure. um, yes. And I think, you know, it, it's tough. It is. I speak a little bit of Chinese and I would say very little, but mm. I love it. And I think, you know, if you can learn a couple of words, a couple of just the greetings and the thank yous in Chinese, it will open doors for you. Be happy. Be Enjoy the fact that you're there. It is chaos. You'll be in a queue for two hours to get in or get out or get a cab, you know, if, if you need to go somewhere. But that is China and that's the nature of doing business in the region. You, you won't be able to understand the currency straight away. You won't be able to use Google to look up your hotel name. People will smoke at the dinner table and, you know, it is, it is a completely different um, culture and you just have to run with it and observe it um, and, and allow for these things and not judge. You just need to go with it and enjoy it. And, um, you know, it, it's still really tough for me. I mean, I've, I have luggage delays. I have language barriers. Um, I, and I'm somebody who's there smiling, saying, hao, you know, to, to everyone I meet. So it is still really tough, but you've mm. got to love it and you've got to be passionate about your, what you're doing, your business, your service, um, because if you're travelling on your own, which I always am, mm. uh, you know, you're going to have to just deal with it yourself and, and it, it just is what it is. You know, you, you travel on a train, it's not that easy, but people don't speak English the way Australians think mm. Chinese speak English when you're on the ground. It just isn't like that. I'm often the only Westerner on a train, on a carriage, you know, one of a handful on a plane. That's how it is. Mm. So um, it's okay. You can do it. There's lots of Australian businesses exporting to China. There's not many who've been doing it for as long as myself. Um, and there's certainly not a lot who are in retail stores because that's another set of challenges. But you can do it. You've got to really love it and enjoy it and just mm. take it for what it is. Look, it's, I've got to tell you, I've got a bag mentally half-packed. I, I just <laughs> It sounds so, it's like a great adventure. But again, yeah, I'm is. thinking of our, of our imaginary business owner, yes. and I'm, I'm at this expo, and I've got my sort of, maybe I've got a sample of my product in my pocket or a backpack, and I've seen someone there, and I want to talk to them. How do I do that? How do I, how do I have any kind of meaningful conversation you know, I spent all this money. I've got my hotel. I've queued for three hours. I've found my way there. I've managed to buy some food. I'm not sure what it was, but I've eaten some food, and I'm here. I am, yeah. and I want to have conversations. How do I do that? Even even getting food's tough sometimes. But right. <laughs> um, you you really need to have a really good pitch. So before you go there, maybe look at the expo, um, the exhibitor list. And have a look at any kind of businesses or any particular exhibitors that you'd really love to have a conversation with. And you've got to be able to pitch your business to them in a unique way that you're going to stand out. And that's no different to pitching your business in Australia. 
No, except you, the language. How do I how do I overcome that? Well, a, a lot of them will have Australian. Oh, Australian. A lot of them will have uh, English speaking okay. uh, okay. co-workers because they know they're on a global stage. So that part of it, um, you know, they will have representatives that speak multiple languages because they are there exhibiting. Of course, that's... if it's a large expo, they yeah. are there looking for you know foreign interest. Mm. So. Those kinds of expos, the larger ones, will have English-speaking people. Um, you know, you, you just have to give it a go. You mm. just have to give it a go. And each stand will be different. Each one will have people that are shy to speak English but probably can understand you very well or people that have purposely put uh, an English-speaking Chinese person on their booth. So you'll get a whole range of people that have different levels of confidence just like we do here. And you just keep going and you just you – just, Make yourself known. You can mm. have your information translated into Chinese before you go. Of course. So, and that's online. That's that's a pretty easy thing to do these days. Well, you, you don't 100% perhaps trust Google Translate, but no. there are you know, very, <laughs> very economical translation services where yes. you can have just a basic information sheet about what you do so that you're you're embracing the culture from the outset. And you're, you're showing them, well, here you are. I've got something in your language. I'm open to to conversing in your language, and here's what I do. Mm. Um, have your name and, and everything in Chinese on your business card as well. So you've got English and Chinese on your card. Brilliant. And look again. What I'm guessing from this conversation more and more is this is not something to do sort of lightly. If we're thinking about this, we'd absolutely need to do our research. And clearly, this is something you have done so well and so strongly at the outset of your business. You really need to do some research and then we need to make a bit of a commitment. So put our hand in our pockets and actually spend some money and go there and and see the market and uh, and then give ourselves time. And, you know, you cited that example of the of the gentleman that you met and that was five years ago. You know, and that person's, by the sounds of it, doing okay, and only now is kind of getting to a, a, um, you know, a a product or a service that can get to market. So, look, I think there's some so valuable, so valuable. So, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. I know that um, you do delightfully um, share your time and your expertise quite openly on this topic. It's also a, a consulting service that you that you offer from time to time. So. If people want to get in contact with you, where's the best place to do that? Uh, the best thing is through my office, which is info at aromababy.com. Okay, that's an email address. Yes, and, yes. and please connect with me on LinkedIn as well. I do put a lot of things about uh, China and um, China market on my LinkedIn, and you can email me through there as well directly. Okay, and that's, so that's Catherine Savasio spelled C-E-R-V-A-S-I-O? Correct. Yes, and I've yet to see any picture of you where you're not smiling from ear to ear. You're clearly someone who really enjoys her work and uh, comes across. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing oh, your time you so with much. Flying Solo. My pleasure. Okay, before I go, don't forget that when it comes to creating a truly enjoyable and prosperous business, Flying Solo gets you. Premium membership has all the tips and tools you'll need for just $99. Head to the join page to learn more. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 